Hey everyone, this is Jay, and you are listening to my new podcast, That One Bernie Bro. This is episode two, and today I am joined by another fellow Bernie Bro, my bro, Riley. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really excited that Riley is going to do this with me. Uh, Like I just said, he is a Bernie Bro, and he definitely has his own side of things, so I think we'll all enjoy having his discussion put into this. Um, Today, we're going to be focused on another candidate who is also running for the Democratic nomination, Mike Bloomberg. Hashtag Mike gets it done. (laughs) If we've all seen as many ads as I have seen on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, on the TV, during the Super Bowl, this guy is everywhere. He's loaded. He is loaded. This guy is filthy, filthy rich. Um. But before we get into Mike Bloomberg, we're also going to be discussing a little bit on how we actually elect a nominee inside the Democratic Party to run against Donald Trump. Um, If you did not listen to episode one, I kind of touched a little bit on what the delegates are. And today I'm going to be focused more on what the super delegates are, because the more you start to look into nomination processes and what we call democracy, the more frustrating it gets. Um, I just speak for myself. It's really frustrating to be a part of a party that calls themselves the Democrats and then makes democracy so confusing and unattainable and unreflective of what the people are actually voting for. Um, So first things first, uh, a huge difference in how we nominate a nominee is states vote on different days. There's not just a big one single election that takes place. Um, We just had one state vote in Iowa Uh, this Friday. We're having New Hampshire vote. After that, it goes to Nevada. Then it goes to South Carolina. And then on March 3rd, they have this day that's called Super Tuesday. I, I mean, I guess we love the word super. Uh, Super Tuesday, but that's also when Utah's going to vote. But a bunch of other states will be voting, including California and Texas. That's a big day. So everyone who lives in Utah, that is your voting day. Um, but as each state votes, they have a certain amount of delegate delegates that they are supposed to be voting that reflects how their state voted. So before, I mean, I mean, just to cut you off. No, but. I hope I'm not still the only one that's irritated about how Iowa played out. (laughs) Dude, at (laughs) least there's me with you as well. (laughs) I, I don't know. I think it's extremely important for everybody to keep an eye out for what just happened. And maybe it's just my brain because, I don't know, I'm obsessed with some conspiracies but that was some that was some shifty ground and some some might say it was shadowy shadowy yeah even that was shady <laughs> if you will <laughs> but yeah hopefully we're not the only two that are still irritated and hopefully that same process doesn't play out in the coming states well the the frustrating thing is is that there's plenty of opportunities for that to happen all over again Now, when we get into when these states are sending their delegates to what they call a convention, surprise it's not called a super convention, 
uh, but what they call a convention, there's going to be a total of 3,979 delegates that will be sent there to vote as their state has told them they must vote. Um, there will be a first vote that is held. Now, in order to become the nominee, a candidate has to receive 1,990 of those 3,979 delegates. That's a clear majority of delegates. If a candidate goes to that convention and reaches what they call a threshold, they would become the nominee. If on that first vote, there is no clear winner, let's say that there's someone who receives a thousand delegates and then another candidate receives five and they just split them all up and no one gets to that 1,990. Then they will have a second vote. Now this is when it gets shady, shadowy, because we have these things in the Democratic Party which are called super delegates that now get to vote on this second vote. So on the second vote, the number that you have to receive actually increases from 1,990. You would need 2,376. Now, the reason for that increase is because there's an additional 771 superdelegates that will be voting on that second ballot. These voters are also called unpledged voters, meaning that they can vote for whoever they want. They are not told by any uh, form of democracy or people who have sent them elected to go vote for the will of the people. No, these 771 superdelegates get to vote based on who they want to be the nominee. Now, who are these superdelegates? Because we've heard about them quite a bit. I remember in 2016, um, these superdelegates, they had a lot of power. In 2016, they got to vote on the very first round of voting. There was no second vote that got to happen before these guys got their power. Bernie Sanders' campaign went into the DNC after all this happened and somehow had enough power to get the rules changed. So now in 2020, we do get a little bit more of democracy. Hashtag thanks, Uncle Bernie. Um... Now we get that second vote when they get their power. But the problem is, is that there are so many candidates running that it's it's highly possible that there will be a second vote. And these superdelegates, they're going to be choosing who our nominee is. So with that, I think the majority of the people that I talk to that are unregistered or have no reason or... They just don't really care to vote. Their number one reason is how confusing that whole process is that you just explained. I agree, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm 100% on that side. I hate how confusing it's divided, like how, yeah, how confusing it's all divided up. Mm -hmm. The power should be with the people when it comes to who is elected, and that's something that I really like about Bernie because just like you said, he's actually gone in and fought for something to be changed when it comes to elections. Yeah. And he said, quote, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but he said that he wants to make further changes when it comes to elections. Oh, yes, yeah, he has. So that's a big reason, not the main reason, but a very big reason why I stand with Bernie is because he's actually 
implementing changes as far as we the people and our voice matters. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that are confused, don't take that as a justification not to show up to vote. Right. It's still extremely necessary. If we want those changes, we need people showing up still right. in order to get that victory. 100%. That's how he did that in 2016 is because he had such a movement behind him that forced the hand on the DNC to change. So another thing. Yeah. Sorry. There's a quote that's like kind of going through my head. Can't remember where I heard it. I know it was some religious leader in like ancient times. But basically to sum it up, I wasn't able to find the exact quote. He said to keep things as confusing as possible because when things are confusing, most people will just follow like a blind sheep. Don't become that blind sheep and do your digging and do your research. Right. But unfortunately, that is the system that we're in currently. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. They they love making these things so complicated because the largest voting group in America is the non-voter. And like you were just saying, Riley, most of those people don't vote because they don't feel like it, it's going to change anything. They feel like their vote doesn't matter. Maybe they were politically active at one point and then they got their voice trampled down. And so they just pull themselves out. Mm-hmm. And that's what they count on happening. Um, yeah, it is frustrating, but we do have to stay active because we have a fighter for us in Bernie Sanders who will change the system in a way that will reflect our voice. Yeah. Um, so again, with these super delegates, there are 771 of them. Uh, 30 of these 771 are what they call distinguished party leaders or DPLs. These are former presidents of the United States, former vice presidents, former congressional leaders, and former DNC chair members. So that's 30 of these people. 236 of them are current members of the House of Representatives. This also includes um, some elected officials from Washington, D.C. and other United States territories. 48 of them are members of the Senate. 28 of them are Democratic governors, including territorial governors and the mayor of Washington, D.C. And then 438 of these are DNC elected members. Uh, if you, I feel like just in the last podcast and through this first second podcast, you know that I'm not a fan of the DNC members. I am not a fan of the Democratic Party. I think they are bought and owned by corporations and powerful people. And so to to hear that 438 of these are DNC elected members. We'll just, yeah, we'll like go back to every election almost that we've had and you'll see how many of these people are actually owned. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not a fair system. But once again, don't get discouraged. Right. You need to show up to vote. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so as Riley was just saying, these, these DNC members and a lot of them, uh, people in the Senate and in Congress on both sides, they are bought and owned by the rich, by corporations and people with a lot of power and money, which perfectly segues us into who we are going to be talking about today. The one and only, the filthy rich, the oligarch himself, Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> this guy is... Number one, he is interesting. You, you he 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 uh, owns sixty one and I hate to use the word owns. He's taken, 
He has taken from the American people $61.5 billion. This guy is filthy rich. Uh, but so Mike Bloomberg, he's 76 years old. He was elected the 108th mayor of New York City. First was uh, in office in 2002 and served until 2013. Kind of a fun note, before he was elected, he was a registered Democrat. Right before he ran for mayor, he changed his party for the Republicans, which he remained until 2007. While still serving as mayor, he switched parties to be an independent, which he stayed until 2018. Then shortly before he announced he was running for president, he switched back to the Democrats. Um, he was first elected as mayor just weeks after 9-11, which I know is going to send off flashers in Riley's mind because I know he, more than me, loves conspiracies of 9-11. Uh, but yeah, this was Mike Bloomberg, who was mayor shortly after. We did have Rudy Giuliani. He's been all over in the news. He was mayor during 9-11. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> if any of you out there are, are fans of the conspiracy, that's just more reason why Bloomberg shouldn't even be part of this conversation, <laughs> but why he is part of this conversation. Right. Yeah, we're still dealing with these garbage human beings who were in power when when we had the largest terrorist attack on America, somehow we're somehow we're still dealing with these same politicians who were in power. Um, another interesting thing that happened while uh, Mayor Mike was in uh, in term in uh, mayor of New York City is he changed the rules while serving to allow for a mayor to run for a third term. He did win, and then right before he was done serving out that third term rewrote the rules and changed it so that every mayor after him could only serve two. Uh, this guy loves power. This guy loves power. Well, all right. So this is probably going to be something that's said multiple times during this podcast. Big business money, it hasn't helped anyone. Right. The only time that helps someone is when the person in charge is profiting. That's the only one that benefits like, uh, I 100% agree. Look at Donald Trump. One of his biggest selling points was elect me. I'm a businessman. I'll run the country like a business. That is happening. He yeah. is running it just like he ran his businesses, which is into the ground. Well, and for those of you who don't own your own business that are listening, do you really want to be treated as an American citizen, the same way you're treated at work. Oh, that's a good point. I don't, I don't want that. Right. No, I want a ton more. Yeah. Well, we have rights and workers tend to have a lot less rights. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy, he loves power. Um, I believe we already said how much he was worth. That's 61 and a half billion. Donald Trump, who refuses to release his actual wealth, won't release his tax returns. They estimate that Donald Trump is worth two and a half billion dollars that's a lot of money but mike bloomberg 61 and a half billion he stands so much taller than donald trump when it comes to wealth but believe me this guy is short and and trump loves making fun of how short mike bloomberg is mike bloomberg stands at five foot eight we've got our president now who's at six foot three supposedly supposedly <laughs> <laughs> but 
mark my words when if mike bloomberg is i even hate saying that but if mike bloomberg is the nominee while they are debating they will have a hand size comparison just so donald trump can oh wait mike bloomberg has bigger hands (laughs) five foot eight has bigger hands than six foot three i mean it's it's (laughs) i mean and then at that point it's just gonna be like hey bloomberg (laughs) take down your pants a bit (laughs) yeah who knows what they're gonna start comparing the comparisons oh god yeah okay so mike bloomberg is filthy rich i think uh, most people know him as the mayor of of uh, New York City. He well, also owns on another point. Yeah, go ahead of that whole comparison thing uh-huh. with how self obsessed Trump is, and Mike Bloomberg's profits dwarf his. Right. I think that is a big pro for Bloomberg running against Trump. It's a huge pro. He will get in Trump's mind so well. But if Trump is that Uh self-obsessed, just because you label yourself as a Democrat doesn't mean you're any less self-obsessed when you have access to that much money. Oh, Mike Bloomberg is so self-obsessed as well. We'd have the choice between two narcissists. Yeah, and... Yeah, not worth it. Not <laughs> yeah. worth it. <laughs> so he is the mayor of New York City. Uh, he also is the owner of Bloomberg News, which I wasn't. I wasn't thinking of saying this, but during my research of Bloomberg, it is really hard to pull up articles on him online because if you search Mike Bloomberg scandal, Mike Bloomberg, uh, you know, we'll talk about his stop and frisk or his taxi policy. Article after article will come up from Bloomberg News. That is some Orwellian stuff where the the guy who's running for president literally owns and controls the news. I mean, Trump loves to point out at CNN, but and a lot of Republicans like to claim that it stands for Clinton News Network, but this guy literally would have Bloomberg News on his side. That's a red flag for me. It's a huge red flag, especially when, like, as of recently, I feel like our freedom of speech has been something that's been kind of a talking point recently. Yeah, yeah. And so, and especially like news media and all of that, and everybody's trying to find the most accurate news sources so they're not being lied to anymore. Yeah. He could do some real damage with it. Another huge red flag. So uh, we will try our best to hurry and run down some of the things that I have found as maybe a pro for Bloomberg uh, running against Donald Trump. And I think number one is that he is a hell of a lot richer the only reason why I'm listing that as a pro is because I know it will get in Trump's head and it'll drive him crazy and make him feel insecure and less of a man and less as a capitalist and whatever Donald Trump tells himself before he goes to bed. Mike Bloomberg will get in Donald it's Trump's it's head. It's okay, Donnie. <laughs> it's okay. Then, I, I would enjoy <laughs> seeing that happen to Trump. Uh, another <laughs> another uh, pro that I have for Mike Bloomberg, and honestly, it's one of his only pros, is his philanthropy. When you get $61.5 billion, you have a lot of money to throw around. And he has done a lot of progressive, democratic values, uh, good things. He has done, for example, um, in 2011, he donated $50 million to what's called the Sierras Club, which helped shut down coal-fired plants. With that donation alone, they were able to step up their work from just working in 15 states 
and increased it to 45 states. So climate change is a big thing, a big positive with Mike Bloomberg. He has done a, he's put a lot of money into fighting climate change. Um, in 2015, he donated $30 million to Beyond Coal, which helped secure the retirement of half of American fleets of coal-powered plants. Again, coal, there's no such thing as uh, clean coal. I think Donald Trump says clean coal. There is no such thing as clean coal. Uh, it's clean. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. And Mike Bloomberg has put his money where his mouth is when it comes to to shutting down some of these coal plants and help transitioning those workers into renewable energy. Uh, in 2014, he donated $53 million to cleaning the oceans. He's worked with the UN on climate change. In 2009, he spent uh, $254 million just in 2009 to over 1,400 nonprofit organizations. This guy's got a lot of money, and he has put a lot of money into helping some of the world's biggest problems. So when I heard this, I immediately went to, no, this guy's not good. Like, he could be doing really? so much more. That's yeah, a lot of money. When you hear that much money, mm -hmm. like... I immediately like, all right, so you checked off, like you're doing stuff to help the planet. Okay. So that's cool. But what about like world hunger? What okay. about like the hunger crisis? Yeah. So I hurry and looked up how much that would be. And it's a little bit out of the ballpark of what he's making. Okay. So it's 30 billion to end world hunger for a year. 30 billion. Yeah. So that's half of his profit. Uh huh. That's half of his wealth, which he could do that. He could do it for a year. Yeah, and that'd be a freaking awesome One year. man could end world hunger for a year. That would be dope. Everyone think about that. That would be One man, insane. if he had a little bit of charity in his heart, could just cut his bank account in half and end world hunger for every living person on this planet. Well, That's insane. It wouldn't insane. be charity at that point. It's just how, how do you want to justify that? Right. Like, do you want to... Like, you could play a freaking weird mind game trying to play the mind of a dude that has that much money. Yeah. So, but to, like, so that's $30 billion a year. Mm -hmm. So if we were to do that since 2003, that's $330 billion to keep every living human fed. Mm -hmm. That's out of his ballpark. Yeah. But if we stop spending on needless wars and yeah. we stop spending on like destroying those countries that are starving, mm -hmm. we could easily do that if people would just wake up. And then I thought about like, okay, so you've helped the ocean. Yeah. $53 million in, in 2014. $53 yeah. million. Okay. Now think about that on a scale of how much he has. Yeah. To clean it for a year, that's $489 million a year. Oh, man. He could do that with how much that's coming in on his part, with yeah. how many jobs he could then create, he'd be set and the oceans would be good. Yeah. That's 5,000 to 20,000 a day. That's not even that bad. No, that's pocket change for this guy. Yeah. Well, and so I 100% agree with that. We we run down these these lists of money that he donates and you, you have to remind yourself to kind of zoom out a little bit and... We were just saying this guy is so self-obsessed. Well, imagine the campaign that this guy could run if he was running on the fact that he literally cleaned every, all the oceans. Or I, I think of the city of Flint in Michigan 
We've known that they have lead in their pipes, in their drinking water. We've known that for years. When Barack Obama was president, we found out about this. They are still to this day suffering from lead poisoning in their water. And the government says, we don't have the money for that. Now, I wasn't as well prepared on this stat as Riley has been, but guaranteed Mike Bloomberg has the money where he could rip out every single pipe in Flint, Michigan, and replace them. And if he wants to pull a Donald Trump, go ahead and label all the water that comes out. Slap your name on it. I, I as a Democrat, would hope that you would be a little bit less uh, self-obsessed than Trump where you wouldn't have to do that. But imagine the campaign that this guy could run if he really put his money where his mouth was. He okay. has enough money to literally change the world, but he keeps throwing his pocket change at it. Yeah. Well, and instead of changing the world, he's now buying people to change their own self-interest to benefit himself. Right, and we don't get to see the stats of is he making money after he invests? Is he, you know, when he donates $50 million to Sierra's Club or to Beyond Coal or to Cleaning the Oceans, is that somehow being rebounded back into his wealth where he's actually making money? And number one, we all know that he's writing these donations off as tax write-offs. Mm -hmm. So that's ripping the American taxpayers off. Yeah, and that's playing the system. That's socialism. Again, listen to episode one right there at the end. I go on this. But, um, so here's another, like, interesting thing is happiness as far as, like, making money. Like, where does it peak? Where does it end? According to Google, which you can't trust anything on the internet or on the news, but according to Google, happiness peaks at $75,000 a year. That was pretty interesting to me because, like, I think everybody wants to be a millionaire. Like, right. that would be amazing. But if you really think about that, at $75,000 a year, where's, like, your stress level at? Mm -hmm. If you're under that, you're going to have a bit more stress. But as soon as you get past it, that's when you're going to start just trying to grab at things. Yeah, and you're stressing about things that you wouldn't be stressing about. Yeah, like, oh, right. I need that new truck. And like, oh, my neighbors aren't going to think I'm that cool if I don't have this new boat. And exactly. like all of that bull crap. And the more money you make, the more that mentality of like, I need, I need, I need, I need. And you forget to like cool your jets turbo and just kind of like settle yourself down. Yeah. Start focusing outward. Yeah. Well, America loves to reward greed. Yeah. That is really what capitalism has been set up to do is reward that greed. And, you know, look at Mike Bloomberg, $61.5 billion. That guy is greedy and he has been rewarded for it. I'm going to pull out that big business hammer and pound this into everyone's head. Big business does not help the American people. Right. It corrupts and it distorts and it promotes self-interest, yep. which it needs to be about the interest of the American people. Yeah. Well, so going back to his philanthropy of uh, helping with climate change, um, a con that comes with that, and, and Republicans love to catch Democrats on this one. And it's one of the first things that they'll tell us, especially with celebrities who go out there and give their speeches on climate change. But Mike Bloomberg flies around in his own private jet that costs $30 million. He owns a $4.5 million private helicopter which burns 72 gallons of gasoline per hour. This guy owns 10 properties, three mansions, 
and flies to his own mansion in Bermuda several times a month. So not only does he have more money, he could be doing more good with his money than he is. He's also negating that good that he has done by flying around the world and taking vacations and building mansions and going to Bermuda every couple days or every couple weeks. This is frustrating. (laughs) This guy is a frustrating billionaire. An oligarch is what he is. He's an oligarch. Um, Going back... It's it's hard for me to do this and talk about some of the good things that this guy has done. <laughs> he has done a few good things. So some of his philanthropy was good. He's also the founder of Every Town for Gun Safety. Uh, there was some really big ad buys that I saw on TV that were, you know, pro-gun reform. Not coming for your guns. We're not going to register all of your guns. It's common sense gun reform that even you, the most... I I like to think that even the most pro-gun person could get behind, which is just, I mean, Donald Trump banned bump stocks. That was something that this guy was for. It's just common sense. Let's try and think of some solutions. So he is the founder of that. Uh, He has been, like I said, he was working with the UN, which definitely has a back and forth history of does, does it do good? Does it do bad? But he worked for the world health organization. Um, This guy has got his fingers, his tiny little fingers, in a lot of different pies. Still maybe a little bit bigger than Trump's. (laughs) He's got a little bit longer fingers in a little bit more pies than Donald Trump. he doesn't cut his fingernails as often. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I bet Mike Bloomberg, dude, he kind of looks like a lizard almost. Don't don't get me started on I plan on him seeing, like, I I feel like he might have some claw-like fingernails oh yeah and that's what's dipping in shake someone's hand they're like too small (laughs) but like they always just get scratched (laughs) but mike this (laughs) this guy is i mean he's done some big work in with uh working in preventable diseases traffic accidents tobacco use obesity alcohol abuse i mean this guy he's done a lot of good he has a lot of experience dealing with big organizations, big multinational organizations. Um, Which, yeah, like, he deserves, like, a backslap for that. <laughs> That's about it, though. Like, but... Good job, Mike. Yeah. Go so get it done more. Much, you have that much money, and you're doing a lot of good things. Bernie Sanders doesn't have that much money. Right. And yet, he's doing amazing things as well. Right. So it's not the money... Like, it is the money that allows you to do those great things, but if you had the mentality of Bernie Sanders with that that much money backing you, Mm -hmm. the world would be changed. Right. I agree. Um, So now, uh, that was supposed to be all the pros, and I, again, I am biased. If you're a Bloomberg supporter and you feel like there's more pros that I should hit on, feel free to tell me. That's very hard for me to see. Um, So with that said, I'm going to keep going down the list of cons because this guy, like I mentioned earlier, he was a Republican while he was mayor of New York. And with that comes some Republican policies. And just because you switch your party doesn't mean that you all of a sudden are miraculously not held responsible to those policies that you enacted. Uh, So number one, this, this guy, while he was mayor gentrification skyrocketed in new york city i mean massive amounts 
of poor people and of minority populations were kicked out of boroughs that they and their families had been living in for generations. And this this is a big problem that's happening in, happening in a lot of major cities in America. And it, it's it's a sad thing to see. A lot of people forget that Mike Bloomberg, I mean, we mentioned that he was mayor and that he also owns Bloomberg News. He's also a developer, just like Donald Trump. So this guy was um, investing in and also allowing huge amounts of buildings to go up, whether they were hotels, um, apartment buildings, businesses. And as those buildings go up, Number one, they take up space. Where do they get that? They just they just buy out the homes that are there. Or they just build right on top of them. Yeah. If So for those of you, like, if you want to see, like, I think probably one of, like, the lighter, best light ways to explain gentrification, you should watch South Park Season 19, <laughs> Episode 3. Okay, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> we just got our first South Park mention. It's only Episode 2. I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> this is why you're on the show. This is that's where I get my news, man. Okay. <laughs> okay, what what season and episode? Season 19, episode 3. Okay. It is probably one of the greatest ways to explain a visual representation of gentrification in a montage. <laughs> so, I highly recommend watching that. It's very educational of what is actually happening in not such a light way. Okay. So, I love it. South Park does do a good job at, at making light of some really big problems that still kind of like hammer home what's really happening. But yeah, this guy, he he increased gentrification in huge amounts. Uh, number two, he supported charter schools. Um, that is a big debate between Republicans and Democrats is do we support charter schools? Do we support public education? I will maybe get into a podcast that goes into that debate a little bit more, Um but I am definitely pro-public education. I think charter schools maybe should be an option, but I don't think that it should be the focus. When Bloomberg was elected as mayor, there were 22 charter schools in the New York City area. And by um, 2012, there was 159. Um, that That's an impressive amount of increase. And the the last thing I'll say about charter schools is Again, that benefits rich people who can afford to pay to go to them, while the poor and usually the minorities cannot afford to get into those nicer schools with better computers and better textbooks and better educated teachers. They're forced to go into public education that is continually getting funding cut. And so they are being set up for failure, while those who are born into wealth are set up for more and more success. So a point that I have on that is I don't think I don't think that we should do away with charter schools because I I do believe that everybody should have the right to just kind of like live the way they want to. Mm-hmm. But at the same time when you are creating a position where you are justifying segregating someone or drawing a line in the sand of this is why I'm better than you. Right. That money should be flipped and turned back into charter schools if there's that many rich little crybabies that can't stand the computers or they can't stand the kids they have to sit next to. 
pump it back into the actual school system and give exactly. them the technology and the tech they need and then teach those kids some freaking manners about no this person is your equal your money doesn't define you that's yeah. a huge problem in this country yeah it is it definitely is so yeah like i said there is a debate between that and i always will fall on pro public uh, education, especially the funding for it. I think that should always be the number one priority. And yeah, maybe charter schools should always be an option to allow some diversity. Um, but increasing from 22 to 159 while public education funding was decreased, you are not on the right side, Mike. You did not get it done. Hashtag Mike gets it done. No, you didn't. Hashtag, hashtag. Mike doesn't get it done. Mike doesn't get it done. Okay, so number three, this guy is pro-Wall Street and anti-regulations. This is something near and dear to my heart. Some of the first times that I really got activated and politically woke was during the Occupy Wall Street movement shortly after the financial crisis. That caused me to really stop and think about what even was money why does it matter if New York Stock Exchange was falling? How is my dad's job now in jeopardy? And why is groceries going up? I will do an episode that gets more into that. But in short, Wall Street needs to be regulated. These are very powerful people with a lot of money who get to decide what happens when and where. And when the economy crashed... In New York City, on the stock exchange, Mike Bloomberg was the mayor. And when Barack Obama became president, he worked with Elizabeth Warren, who is running for president, to help bring back regulations to Wall Street at the cry of Mike Bloomberg. He was not happy about these new regulations that were coming in. And that should show his true colors. He is for the bankers. He is for himself. He is for his rich friends. He is not on the side of me. He is not on the side of anyone that I know. And hashtag big, big business bad for America. Yes, big business is bad for America. <laughs> and it, it, you keep saying that and it just reminded me of something that Donald Trump said with globalism. He had all of the Republicans united against globalism. And we needed to focus more on our, our nation well, big business is globalism. They only care about profits that they can get from reaching out. That's what the banks do. That's what Wall Street does. It is globalism. It needs to be regulated and force them to start taking care of we, the working class people. Um, so let's see. Uh, yeah, Wall Street and anti-regulation, that's, that's a big one for me. I'm not a fan of that. Um, and... This the, number four, uh, while Mike Bloomberg was mayor, the Lyft company, which is like Uber, um, Lyft was trying to get the rights to come and start driving and ride sharing in New York City. And Bloomberg was completely opposed to letting them come in because it said it'll he said it'll hurt the taxi uh, business in New York City. Well, Lyft, during the negotiation processes, started digging around. And they found out that Bloomberg had a lot of money tied up into the taxi unions. Now, they threatened to release this information and show that that's why he wasn't allowing them to come in. The negotiations took an immediate pause. 
Mike Bloomberg then invested in the company of Lyft and then allowed them to come into New York City where he could make money off of their uh, progress as a company. Um, That is what his presidency is going to look like. That right there is the best way that I could sum it up. He is already invested in interests and he will only allow things, personal interests, and he will only allow things to move forward if it benefits him. And if it doesn't benefit him and his wealth, he will not allow it. That sounds so familiar to me. His name is Donald Trump. Yeah. Except this guy is $61.5 billion. Wait, but he's shorter. But he is shorter. (laughs) (laughs) So once again, bringing out the stupid hammer, this is why big business and these huge wealthy titans are not meant to be in charge of us. They should not be. Because all they're going to do is push us further down to get themselves more wealthy. And now, Bloomberg, the only reason I feel I'm even heated on this topic, it's not because he's a front runner. It's not because he, he's got like this huge amount of momentum that I'm afraid of. I'm irritated because he is getting any attention at all. Yes. After what we are coming from and what we've seen with our own eyes, he shouldn't be getting any attention or any of the spotlight. The only reason he is, is because people are still under the spell of like, Oh, you've got a lot of money. So you must be like a really good person. Mm -hmm. You must know what you're doing. When in reality, like, no, like, that doesn't mean that at all. That just means you know how to lie really well once you make that much money. That is my a, eyes. No, I agree. That is a very frustrating thing to see of fellow Democrats start giving these terrible candidates a chance. And I think, number one, it's because they are so afraid that Donald Trump might win again. And they're willing to accept anyone that comes before them and says, elect me. They really will give them a chance. Because they're going to look at everyone, which I think that's okay to do. It's okay to do. You have to hold your core values up next to them. And Mike Bloomberg does not pass a single check. He doesn't Mm -hmm. get past any of them. He fails, he fails, he fails. And now he's pulling nationally. I mean, he is rising. Yeah. And that it's frustrating. And like, of course he is because he's probably the number one at putting his voice out there yes, when is. it comes to the television and on it like he's everywhere which yeah you've got a lot of money so that's gonna work but ah, it's it's so frustrating because as a socialist democrat that to see something like that when i'm so fired up in the progression of bernie sanders it's bernie or it's nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to settle for someone less than. I'm tired of having to pick between a Donald and a Clinton. Two clearly evil candidates to run and dictate what is going to be my beneficial future. Yeah. That's not fair and that's not right. That's that's <clears throat> to the point in my mind almost to a call in arms where the system it's not it's not working. The system, yeah, the system is not working. It is frustrating be- between having to choose between the lesser of two evils. 
Um, need to go all Alex Jones on this. <laughs> some Alex Jones there from <laughs> Riley. Uh, all right. Oh, well, we, <laughs> we are going to take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we're going to finish up with Mike Bloomberg by stop or by starting to talk about his worst policy that he enacted as mayor, which was stop and frisk. I'm going to lay out some real facts towards that policy and just show you how terrible of a mayor this man was. Um, We'll finish up with Mike and talk about his overall strategy of how he's going to get elected, what he's doing to win over the DNC, who used to be in love with Joe Biden. Um, And then, yeah, we'll do a quick little couple questions with Riley and we'll finish it up from there. So thanks for listening. Again, this is That One Bernie Bro, and we will be right back. All right, and we are back. Uh, this is Jay, and I'm here with my bro, Riley. Uh-huh. And we are talking about the one and only, the handsome Mike Bloomberg. Short. Short. Uh, he is short. Hey, short people can be handsome, though. Yeah, I've I've met... Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. There are, there are plenty. That's right. Uh, and we are just about to get into the final con and this guy is filled with cons these are only the few that we have started talking about this is by far the most this is outrageous yeah his stop and frisk policy this i get so upset that he is even allowed in to run as a democrat after being after this being him this is goes against everything that Democrats should be standing for. Now, for those of you who don't know what stop and frisk is, in short, it gave the authority to the police of New York City to stop anyone and search them. Just as I say that, it makes me so upset. That, like, we fought a revolution for that right which was, it's in our constitution, no unlawful search and seizure. This was something that we fought a revolution about. And somehow a mayor of New York City got away with this for years. This was the policy of New York City for years. So as as he was mayor of New York City, what was he registered as? Uh, well, he was a Republican for the first part, and then he switched over to being an independent. Either way... For someone that so once had the values of the Republicans mm-hmm. and is now switching over to the Democratic. Now he's a Democrat, yeah. For someone to to play both sides of the field and then to go into something like this that's attacking the Constitution, where are the riots about something like that? Where's the, the outrage? Especially I... from the people who freak out so much about the right to bear arms we will get into and i'm sorry to bring that up but no that that is something that's irritating i do wonder where the outrage is and i do think that as the election goes on if bloomberg does start rising a lot in these polls and we will get into his strategy a little bit later on in this this podcast but I do think that at least the people who were affected the most their voices will start to be heard a lot more now, who are those voices who were affected because of this policy? I'm going to go ahead and read through some facts here. 
you guys are about to learn that I love numbers, I love percentages, I love going through these facts. Um, but at the peak of stop and frisk, which was in 2001, there was over 685,724 stops. 90% of these stops were innocent of doing anything wrong. Just in one neighborhood, or what they call boroughs, which was called Brownsville, there was 52,000 stops in four years. That's enough for one stop a year for every resident. Now, imagine yourself knowing that at least once a year, you would be stopped by a police officer, stopped from going to work, stopped from going to a doctor, stopped from going to your friend's house, and you would be searched once a year. Now, if you were white, you were probably going to be a lot better off. If you are a, a black man or a Hispanic man, that number is going to go up a lot. You're going to be dealing with police officers racial profiling you. That is outraging. That is outraging. Now, in 2013, Mike Bloomberg was quoted by saying, I think we disproportionately stop whites too much and minorities too little. At that time, 5 million stops had been made and 87% of those stops were black or Hispanic. So you just said how much you like numbers and stats. Yeah. Here's some numbers you've provided. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, based off of these stops, only 14 out of 10,000 stops it attributed to a gun. Only 14 out of those. Man. So, that right there just shows this policy does not work in any sense of the term working. Right. This, it's outrageous. It's so stupid. So, so, all right. So off of that, black and Latino people were more likely stopped. But even though white people are twice as likely to have a gun on them. Right. Which right there, like that clearly points out that's racial profiling. It's a hundred percent racial You're not profiling. going off of statistics. You are going off of something that fear we've done away with right there's no sense of that anymore unless you're someone like mike bloomberg who clearly likes to draw a line in the sand mm -hmm. which i'm not a fan of that yeah me neither but somehow we're allowing him into our party and there are some of us us meaning democrats who are literally considering this this racist as a nominee we think that we we could hold him up against donald trump and say, see, he's Donald Trump's the racist, but Mike Bloomberg's the not the racist. But the reason we that like is him is he's he's shorter. That's a losing strategy, Democrats. Come on. There's nothing you can point to that's going to glorify him other than the term that he says that he's a Democrat. Yep. Which I want to make a point right here. Just because someone says they're a Democrat does not mean they're going to uphold those values. We saw that, and I hate to do this. But we've seen that with Obama. Right. Our most oh, recent yeah. Democratic president. Wait, we I thought that. that he was the most liberal president that we've ever had. 
uh, you need to do some research. (laughs) (laughs) Barack Obama sold out to Wall Street, sold out to the banks. They like to remind, the Republicans like to pretend that Obamacare was some socialist takeover when it was literally drawn up by Republicans before Obama was president. Yeah. So, yes, I agree, Riley. They like to slap a name Democrat on their on them, and then they do all these policies that benefit neither party. It just benefits the rich. So, and then another point that I have with the whole stop and frisk. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine someone like Donald Trump having that power? Oh, God. Where he can just stop and frisk whoever he wants? And I don't mean to take it into that type of a tone, but at the same time, I do. Because... Either way you look at it, this law, it, it, <laughs> there's so many wrongs in doing this where it affects us in so many different ways, in so many different walks of life. Why would you think that that's an okay thing to push out there? Right. That's not cool. Right. Do we really want the man who is quoted by saying, grab him by the pussy, to be in charge of a law like this? Do you want your, like, maybe you yourself feel safe well, I'm not doing anything wrong, so why should I be afraid of being stopped and frisked? Well, let's say you have a daughter who's out late at night coming home from a party, coming home from work, and she is stopped and frisked dark night on the street by a police officer and then they're multiple also, times a year. If, it, if it's lawful, if they're able to point to the law and say, no, I'm a police officer, I have this right, there's nothing you can do to stop that if he's willing to push that out in just new york city what other laws does he have tucked away to then deepen that line that he's put into the sand right i agree where there's more of a division between our rights and our freedoms yeah and it, it just keeps even getting worse because not only were all these innocent people stopped again 90 percent were innocent of doing anything wrong but everyone who was stopped their names and information was entered into a database that that could then be used by the police during their investigations of crimes. So just by being stopped, your name was put into a database. Now, Donna Lieberman, who then was the executive director of New York City Civil Liberties, said that millions of completely innocent and predominantly black and Latino people have been turned into permanent police suspects it it's outraging on every front this is not okay and this is who mike bloomberg was as mayor and it is who he would be as president a very frustrating thing about bloomberg is he knew these stats There was a lot of outrage about this stop and frisk policy, and he refused to stop it. And then when he was out from being mayor, he refused to admit that it didn't work. Now, this was ruled unconstitutional in 2013. And then shortly after, a Democrat was elected mayor of New York City, and he has slowly been ceasing this policy and since then crime in and around new york city has dropped significantly in 2018 they recorded their lowest homicide rates in in 70 years wow that's awesome so this policy number one racist well no number one unconstitutional yeah number two 
racist. 87% were black or Latino. Then I would say, number three, a loophole to then become a threat to women and men. Right. As far as it, like, it could turn into something that's sexist. Right. And I don't mean to, like, create, like, fear-mongering or anything like that. Well, and we're not saying that all cops are rapists and abusers of spouse, although look at the stats. Well, look at our president. A lot of cops actually (laughs) abuse their wives. People who want to be in a authority of power usually are not the greatest of people. And the yeah. more power we give them, the more they're going to the more with. they're going to get away with. Um, and we haven't even begun to talk about how Mike Bloomberg is personally invested in the prison industrial complex. So not only is this guy stopping and frisking innocent people, then racking up the numbers of people that go to jail, he is then making money off of those jail systems. I don't know how else to say it, but this guy cannot become president. Once again, bringing out this hammer. (laughs) Big business and big money should not be allowed anywhere near our politics and who is our president. Because it just creates more and more distance between us becoming anything. And it, it just makes it that much more unfair. So, Mike Bloomberg is full of cons. He's He should not even be considered as an option, but because of his massive amount of money, his huge ability to flood the airwaves with his name and only talk about, I fought for climate change, I have a non... Uh, Oh, what do they call it? A nonprofit organization that fights for uh, gun safety reform. That's all that we are hearing. We're not hearing all these horrible and ter- uh, terrible things that this guy has done. Um, so to finish up with Mike Bloomberg, I do just want to briefly touch on his election strategy because it is unprecedented. He is he did not run in Iowa. He is not running in New Hampshire. He is not running in Nevada, and he is not running on in South Carolina. He is waiting for Super Tuesday, and meanwhile, he has been flooding those states, Utah's one of them, with ads. He skipped the first four states. I don't know exactly why. My theory is is that they were wondering, they were waiting, they being the DNC. They were waiting to see if someone would step up out of the fray and beat Bernie Sanders because this is Bernie versus everyone else. They were waiting to see. And according to the polls right now, Pete's, I guess, the closest to being able to do that. So it was pretty much a tie in Iowa. New Hampshire, we're going to see. Nevada, we will see. South Carolina is supposed to be Joe Biden's best chance at showing that he still has support because of the African-American support. Because... There's a lot of reasons that that's happening. I think number one, they associate him with Barack Obama. Joe Biden is uh, tied in with that. And he's got a, he's got a lot of support among African Americans. I think that they need, they will, and I think they have been starting to really look at those policies. We're going to dive into Joe Biden on a, a future podcast. Um, but the DNC is really anybody but Bernie. 
and Joe is falling in the polls. He did terrible in Iowa. He will not do good in uh, New Hampshire. Maybe do okay in Nevada and maybe okay in South Carolina, but this is setting up an opportunity for Mike Bloomberg to step in and say, I am the chosen one. Now, the most interesting thing about this strategy is that before he announced, two days before, he donated $300,000 to the DNC and then announced two days later that he was running. Now, if we want to talk about corruption and really point to how this works, the DNC has just changed the rules of how you get into a debate. Before, you had to meet a polling threshold, and you also had to meet a fundraising threshold. Bloomberg is not receiving any campaign contributions because he is so rich he can fund his own campaign. Therefore, that disqualified him from meeting any of the uh, meeting half of that requirement to get onto the debate stage. Well, the DNC has now changed the rules where now you just have to meet a polling threshold. And for, Mike gets it done. Mike gets it done. Yes, he <laughs> does. Money buys money buys a lot, and apparently it'll buy an election. Uh, that is really what his strategy is, is can money buy an election? Which is such a... Uh, which... Maybe it can. Maybe it can. I sure hope that there's enough people who are paying attention that we will say, no, Mike, you cannot get it done. With the backing of Russia. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. All right. We got Russia blown up in here already, too. (laughs) Um, So that's just going to conclude that part about Mike Bloomberg. We're going to transition over to another section where I'm just going to give a quick little interview with Riley, let him basically just share his viewpoint on why he supports Bernie. Um, And with that, Riley, go ahead. Why do you support Bernie Sanders? So I think the biggest reason why I support Bernie Sanders is because he is nothing like we just talked about Bloomberg being. Um, I, I wasn't that politically involved. Um, until Bernie Sanders was uh, running. Um, Back in 2016? Yeah. And, like, before that, like, I was obviously, like, somewhat informed with Obama and um, with kind of what George Bush was doing, and that just sparked my whole conspiracy of life Mm -hmm. with what he did. And further on, it just kind of disassociated or just kind of like put me out of the loop of politics because I was sick of people saying one thing and not doing it. Um, But with Bernie, I mean, you can go as far back as you want and he's actually doing the things that he's saying that he is going to do for the American people and not just for the places where he is a governor or the places where he has power or has a voice that's a little bit louder than us as the American people. He's actually speaking for us. So that that's what originally, I guess, like started the fire under my butt to get on the side of the burn team. Yeah, that is a really awesome thing about Bernie Sanders is going back into his history and hearing him say the exact same thing. He is a consistent man. That is that's a really cool thing about Bernie Sanders. 
and that's an amazing quality to have to keep that consistency yeah especially as a politician uh so what is one thing about his campaign that you are most excited about happening when he becomes president so i would say free college um and that not like not necessarily like just because it's going to benefit me and give me um a route where it's a little bit it's way more accessible for me to further my future but as you know and maybe not all of the listeners but i i served an lds mission in atlanta georgia and while i was out there i met a lot of amazing people that um didn't really see college as an opportunity for them because of the situations that they were in and um the pressure that they were under specifically by government funded um projects and there's a lot of them that wanted the opportunity to go to college but it just wasn't it wasn't in the playbook because there's no way they could get there unless they were a a high school athlete or got scholarships and even then like it was it's a difficult journey for a lot of people all around the country and for someone to say that they're going to make that avenue free the the change that's going to come from that is amazing and it's something that like it needs to happen and I'm 100% behind that because I want to be able to look at my kids in the eyes and say I helped get this dude elected and that's what changed America that's what gave all of these people hell yeah these amazing options now so yeah. yeah that excites me a lot and uh we'll definitely be diving into that free college uh idea that Bernie is quite famous for uh in a future episode because that will really change America that'll give so much hope yeah to like you said not only you not only me but to so many people who have been screwed over, that will change America. That is a really exciting thing. Yeah. Um, so as both of us know, Bernie Sanders' campaign is so strong because of his supporters doing things like this, creating podcasts, because his supporters donate money at a higher rate than any other politician that's ever run. Um And so that brings me to the question, are you planning not only for this upcoming election, again, March 3rd, if you live in Utah, but for the 2020 election when Bernie Sanders is running against Donald Trump, do you plan on going out and volunteering for him? 100%. I think it's extremely important and it's almost natural. Like if you're going to be backing Bernie, you, you kind of feel like you're, you're part of the change and you're part of the movement and you want to get as many people hyped on that same thing as possible so yeah i'm stoked on it and yeah i can't wait to get out knock some doors make some phone calls and do my part so that i can ensure that bernie sanders becomes the next president of these united states hell yeah all right well with that let's transition over to this last part of the podcast where our I like to talk about something that I'm calling pointing out the talking points. Uh, This talking point that I've been hearing recently more from Democrats who are not supporting Bernie, but also still from Trump supporters, is uh, Bernie's health and Bernie's age is seen as a huge detriment to him and his candidacy and his future presidency. Um, 
I gotta say, I kind of do understand this one. This is a hard one to get through because the man is 78 years old. He would be the oldest uh, president ever elected, beating none other than our current president, Donald Trump, who was 70 when he was elected, and we never heard about that. Not many people were talking about how Trump was the oldest president that we ever elected. Maybe his fake spray tan and his fake comb over helped with that, but... (laughs) I mean, maybe that's what Bernie should do. Just get a spray tan and start, like, flipping his hair over like he's trying to, I don't know, do something. Trump can fake many things, but he can't fake those hands. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And so uh, Bernie's help, it is a question. And I have to admit that when he did have his heart attack a few months ago, that was a hard hit to me. I really took a hard look at Bernie Sanders and... Again, being honest, for a while I did not, I stopped backing him and I went over to Team Warren because I thought that Bernie was done. Um, but I started looking a little bit more into what actually happened and it was a heart attack, but the surgery that he had actually ended up opening his uh, arteries in his heart that were clogged. Um, so technically he is healthier now because of his heart attack. <sighs> Yeah. Ooh, everyone take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. This man is healthier. (laughs) He is healthier now because of that heart attack. And if you look at his uh, recent campaign rallies or him on a debate stage or him giving an interview at a town hall or really anything, I mean, he looks better. He is talking better. This guy is campaigning harder than anyone I've ever seen. He is go, go, go. Um, So number one, I agree this guy is old. He is old. There's uh, no getting around that. There's one. no getting around it. I think Bernie's best answer to his age is with age comes a record. And like me and Riley were just kind of talking about, go and look at his record. If you think his age is a problem, go look at his record. It proves consistency. Number two, yes, he had a heart attack, but he is now healthier than ever. And number three, His vice president choice is going to be very important because by being 78 years old, God forbid he does pass away as president, his vice president would become president. Um, I feel like he is going to have to pick a woman to be his vice president um, because Democrats, number one, Democrats love identity politics and that's a big That'll be a big weight that he's going to have to fight with. Um, I think he will hopefully pick Elizabeth Warren to be his uh, vice president. Um, And his second choice, I hope that he just surprises us. Do not pick Amy Klobuchar, who's running. Um, I wish it was AOC. Yeah, AOC, but she's not old enough. I, maybe he, he'll he surprise us by picking someone that no one's really paying attention to, but that will be really important, um, and that would definitely solve a lot of at least Democrats' fears of his age. Yeah. Um, with that, I think I'm going to conclude that um, just remind everyone that this Friday is the New Hampshire election. The latest results um, show Sanders at 30%, Buttigieg at 20 Amy Klobuchar at 13 and Creepy Sleepy Joe at 11%.
Ugh. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that is just crazy that the vice president of America is just getting his ass kicked by multiple people, which is perfect. Again, we're going to dig in more to I'm other candidates. Someone that's too old. Your brain's too old, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> Your brain is too old, Joe. <laughs> yeah, he's a nightmare. Um, but yeah, that's going to conclude episode two. I want to say a huge thanks to my bro Riley for being on this with me so thank you of course thanks for letting me on heck yeah and uh just as a final reminder guys uh vote on March 3rd if you live in Utah make sure you're registered to vote and remember that those in power only have that power because we gave it to them and it's ours to take back preach yeah with that we will sign off and we'll talk to you guys soon